Hello, everyone, and thank you for once again tuning into Man Ascending. I'm your host, Athenophis, and I am joined today, as usual, by my co-host, Riley. Welcome back, guys. So today we will be going over um, part one of the myth of Heracles. So we'll get through a few of the labors, and hopefully we can uh, discuss some insights and um, other observances that we find through the text. So, as usual, I'm going to start off with a prayer to the gods. Hero Zeus, highly honored one of truth and faith, O hospitable one, may we speak truly and rightly as we pursue your divine and permeating form. Here is Hermes, lover of mankind, O joyful and gracious one, guide us that our words may be eloquent and edifying. O Agathodiamon, guardian spirit, he who was appointed to us on the seven rays of Zeus, may we feel your presence and be led by your unwavering guidance towards the good. Here is Aphrodite, the popular, common. May we possess social grace as we pursue divine beauty, and may we do it justice. Here is Apollon, O bright and radiant one. May we be blessed with the bright mind as we ponder the nature of your shining rays of truth. Artemis, great named and great naming, all shining, radiant to all. She who is gracious, approachable, and beloved. May we find comfort in your divine silvery rays that we may, that they may lend us guidance in our pursuit of truth, beauty, and the good. And hear us great and wise Athena. Forever guide us towards your sharp-pointed wisdom and give our souls holy light from your sacred myths and wisdom and lore. Fiat. Fiat. All right, Riley, so you want to uh, go over the myth with us or for us? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so before we get introduced into Hercules, we're going to go ahead and discuss the time in which he was being born and um, attribute to why he became the hero he was. Um, so during this time, it was a time of great war and corruption and just strife all around and zeus looking down um lovingly decided that he was to provide a hero um during this time so he came down and he impregnated um one of the descendants of perseus and i forget her name um that's another thing this this myth goes very deep and there is a lot to it so i'm gonna be more so just briefly summarizing it and so you can understand what it's about, but definitely look into it. Um, there's different copies of it you can read. Um, the one I have in front of me is out of Mythology, Timeless Tales of Gods and Heroes by Edith Hamilton. Um, and it's a beautiful book. Uh, there's also other sources of Heracles. I hate to um, advocate for the YouTube, but you can definitely find some stuff discussing the myth there and take some of that with a grain of salt, but um, good resources all around. So anyways, um, Zeus comes down and impregnates Heracles' mom and goes back up to Olympus and um, Hera is wise to it. She she knows what's going on. She saw this happen and she is very upset. Um, you could say spiteful. Uh, she's She's mad of Zeus's infidelity, so she decides she's going to punish punish this child, which is Heracles. Um, also, another factor in this is Zeus said that the next descendant from the line of Perseus would become the king. So Hera slowed down Heracles's birth and sped up his cousins. Um, and I will give you his name because he is an important character through this. Um, 
but I don't have the name off the top of my head. It's an, uh, Eurystheus. So his cousin's name is Eurystheus. And Hera slows down Heracles' birth and speeds up Eurystheus's. Um, that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. And I wish I could come up with like a nickname for him or something like Yuri, but then it just yeah. makes him sound way too Russian. Yeah. So we'll, I'll, we'll just stick to my poor pronunci- pronunciation, Eurystheus. Um, so she slowed down Heracles' birth, sped up Eurystheus's, and he became king. And because Zeus said the next descendant from the line of Perseus would become king, and he had to stick to his word as gods always do which is one funny thing that um i was talking to ethan about the other day and i'm there might be an occurrence but i'm I'm not too familiar with um all the myths but gods always stick to their promise like even even though they'll express them with some kind of you know less desirable human traits like infidelity or anger and stuff um in a metaphorical way of course they never joke around about breaking their word you know (laughs) they're not really liars yeah even in myth um but anyways continuing they can trick they can trick they can trick but they won't they won't backslide on their own word yep and if someone counters their trick they will you know they'll gladly uh stick to their word yep (laughs) bow their head and kind of humility and respect right yep it's it's fun to see um so Anyways, Eurystheus becomes the king, um, and Hercules growing up, though, oh, shoot, I should say that also when Heracles finally was born, Zeus came down and brought him up to Olympus and put him onto Hera's breast while she was sleeping and had him breastfeed on her and started to absorb or take on some of her powers, and she woke up and was mad about it and pulled Heracles off of her breast and it um, spewed milk all over the galaxy, creating the Milky Way. Um, And then Zeus returns Heracles to his crib um, back on Earth and Hera sends down two serpents to murder him because she's so enraged um, at what Zeus had done. And Heracles picked up the snakes and just strangled them. So uh, from a very early age, we can see that this boy is um, no normal mortal. (laughs) Um, um, And from there, um, growing up, he was very, um, always very strong. Like it was obvious that um, he had great strength. he did not, however, have good control over his emotions whatsoever. Uh, and it got him into a lot of trouble. And one of the examples there is he killed his lyre teacher, his, his musical teacher, um, teaching him how to play the lyre. He ended up killing him in a fit of rage um, due to his correction. Mm. Uh, I, I do forget the lyre teacher's name, but uh, Heracles, in a fit of rage, hits him over the head with his lyre and kills him. And when Heracles finds himself in these situations where he loses control of his emotions or he overreacts or um, he lashes out in a fit of rage and does damage or kills someone, he is always immediately receptive to the justice. Um, He always apologizes and he comes back to his senses and uh, understands that he needs to face consequences and he does it um straight away 
um, when he finds himself in these situations. Um, but uh, so during this time, there's a war, and well, and before before you get into that, I just because there's a few things you said that I think are pretty important that we should expand upon or maybe explore a little. Um, first off, when when it talked about Hera um, breastfeeding him. And you think that, so this is a son of Zeus, right? And he has a mortal mother, but he needs the breast milk of Hera. So th- the way I look at this is almost like Hera is the nurturing aspect of, um, of being, right, of existence. She is what nurtures, but also what um, poses challenges because it is through the mo- the mortal or the material womb of Hera that Zeus in the creation story casts his lightning bolts uh, or throws his lightning bolts, which gives way to the world, right? So it's almost like Hera um, represents kind of the, uh, the mortal strife that we go through mm-hmm. and we're nurtured by that. And it is through Zeus through the noble, through the king, the most um, honorable God, and um, you know, with the most authority, it is through Zeus that uh, we are able to overcome the strife that is presented for our own well-being in the in the long run, right? So Hera almost represents like the earthly strife and challenges that we're faced with, and it seems like Zeus can um, represent the divine. Um, I guess the divine flame within us that we can rise up to, right. To overcome these. So, um, I just thought that was kind of interesting, right. Just right there. And especially with Hera's breast milk, giving way to the Milky Way galaxy, uh, which, you know, again, just speaks to her role as, um, the material womb that Zeus throws the lightning bolts into. So I just want to touch on that. Oh, and then one more thing about the musical teacher. That was really interesting too, because, um, you can kind of look at music, uh, as a music teacher, what they're doing is, and, and the Egyptians emphasize this as well as Pythagoras and other sages, but they're teaching harmony. That's what they're doing, right? They're, they're teaching how to harmonize um, by navigating these underlying principles that make up our world and um, doing it in a way that brings about beauty, mm-hmm. right? And, and perfection and love and um, a, a kind of way to celebrate divinity and everything in its proper placement right so it seems like there was kind of um uh he was there was some disharmony within his own soul right and and this is why he he grew angry at this because he possessed great potential but he was young and kind of um kind you know immature in that sense where he he just gives into his driven fits of his driven by his emotions right not yet a master of of him owns of his own self even though he possesses the potential to be so he gets mad and he breaks yeah. this liar on the teacher's head and kills the teacher right so he he's getting he's really mad that he can't uh, master this harmony and the teacher kind of represented represented someone who was a master of this har- yeah. harmonization, right? And he, he got pissed about it. But then, like you said, he instantly recognized his own fault. And um, just as any son of Zeus would, right? They want to, they always want to rise up to the father. So they'll accept justice because Zeus also embodies the principle of justice, as we know. Um, so I just thought we shouldn't go any further until yeah. we said something about that because those are very important. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, continue on. 
Yeah, a couple things I would like to add to that. It is very good that you brought that up early on, actually, because I think the story reads so much better um, when you understand Hera's role in all of this. Mm-hmm. Because if you're just reading the myth, she sounds really, she's really frustrating, very spiteful and angry and just really um, doesn't show very many divine qualities. Mm-hmm. But we need to bear in mind that the gods are all wholly divine. So uh, knowing that, we know we need to read into this a little more to mm-hmm. see what is being represented. But like you said, that is her role, um, challenges and nurturing and nurturing through challenges, which mm-hmm. is essentially what this whole story is about. Um, and Heracles actually means something along the lines of glory of Hera. Um, so Hera, Hera really, if you understand that early on, you'll see how Hera's challenges build Heracles into being a hero. So it's much more satisfying to see, um, those underlying principles at play versus a spiteful, angry God and like a, yeah. Um, glory of Hera, that kind of glory of Hera for me, I can kind of see it as, um, you know, what happens when one overcomes the material the strife of the material world, right? right. Um, that it, it's glory because you were able to push through and you were able to persevere um, and essentially reach apotheosis. But, you know, we'll talk about that later yeah. as you... Um, uh, before I continue any further, do you want to touch on uh, what is meant with Zeus's infertility through this? Because... Infertility? I mean, his, yeah, his in- <laughs> infertility. <laughs> oh, well, blooper. Yeah. Uh, his infidelity mm-hmm. um, in this as well. Um, we can see... Hera's faults, like the underlying meanings to them. What about like something with Zeus like that? Yeah, so with Zeus, um, I think this is something when I first started reading the myths, um, it's something that somewhat confused me, why Zeus was always cheating on Hera and Hera was always getting mad at him for it. And I think you were kind of uh, at the same point yeah. right when we first started. Um, but the way I've come to understand it is uh, Zeus is, he is the ultimate, the the prince, the first principle that oversees the entire universe, right? So it's through all through him that all things come about. So I think it's just a way to um, display or portray his uh, pervasiveness, right? The pervasiveness of the his principle, of the father of all, right? And that's why he's the sky father and always um, he's the celestial demiurge and associated with the sun, right? Zeus Helios is the sun and it literally emanates and provides life for everything everything depends and relies upon the sun all the planets revolve around the sun right uh the ultimate fertility yes the (laughs) ultimate fertility exactly that's exactly it uh so that's the way i look at it and i think that's the proper way to look at it because again like you said poets wrote this right and poets gave human qualities to um divine yeah inhuman forces that are purely divine so it's just a way to bring them down so we can understand them and uh, yeah so good stuff yeah good point um awesome uh so moving on from there he had killed the liar instructor um but he's growing up now and they are at war i believe um the word was the minions or something um i'm gonna not give you all the names and i'm gonna butcher the ones i try just bear that in mind uh you can read through it yourself and keep track of the names, but um, I um, I don't think it detracts much from the story. So uh, the king at the time um, 
rewards Heracles because he goes into battle and is able to defeat uh, the minions or whoever they were. And uh, Athena had gifted Heracles some armor and uh, sword and shield, I believe. She she um, kitted him out for war, pretty much. And he went in, kicked butt, did a great job in battle. Comes back and he gets rewarded by... But um, by the king with uh, um, he gets I don't remember if he gets to marry the king's he marries the king's daughter or something and he gets a family with her and pretty much everything is going good for Heracles at this time I mean he's a war hero he has uh, status and he has a family Um, I believe he had two kids and a wife and things are happy and relaxed and Hera does not like that. So um, she uses her magic to change Heracles' family to look like monsters. So when he, he comes home, uh, the door's open. He can't find his family anywhere. And then he sees this monster and he uh, attacks it and kills it with his bare hands. And then the other monsters turn off and start running. And he chases them down and kills them with his bare hands. And as soon as he was finished killing them, Hera's magic wore off and he was able to see it as what it was and it was his family. So she had tricked him to go into a rage and kill these monsters, which were his family. And he is just immediately heartbroken. He, he is so heartbroken that, um, he thinks that what must be done is he needs to kill himself. Um, and his friend Theseus actually talks him out of it. And this is a great part in the story. Um, I kind of want to touch on a few quotes here. I like this. Um, uh, this is just one line uh, part of a thing that Theseus says to Hercules trying to keep him from committing suicide he says men great of soul can bear the blows of heaven and not flinch and that that was a that was a good line um, and Her- Heracles responds do you know what I uh, do you know what I have done he said I know this your sorrows reach from earth to heaven and Heracles says, so I will die. And Theseus responds to him, no hero spoke those words. What can I do but die, Heracles cried. Live, a brand of man for all to say. Look, there is he who killed his family and, or his wife and sons. Everywhere my jailers, the sharp scorpions of the tongue. And then this is what I like. Um, so Heracles is describing what? what waits for him if he stays alive you know the pain of having murdered his family with his bare hands and everyone knows it everywhere is like everywhere is his prison whether they throw him in jail or not and Theseus just responds to him even so suffer and be strong Mm. (laughs) it just says that that's what you have to do now like that justice would not be to kill yourself that's not that's not just you you try to escape it yeah that's that's an escape mentality right um uh, and then he says, you shall come to Athens with me and share my home and all things with me. And you will give to me and to the city a great return, the glory of having helped you. So he goes to live with him for a while. And, uh, he ends up consulting the Oracle of Delphi. Is it Delphi or Delphi? Mm-hmm. Delphi I, I, I think, okay. yeah. Um, we'll say the Oracle of Delphi and Hera influences the Oracle to, tell Heracles what he needs to do is go and serve his cousin 10 labors 
um, within 10 years, I believe it was, there's a time frame and a amount of labors and, um, he's, or it tells the Oracle to go to, go to see his cousin and do whatever he asks him. And then he Wait, shows the up or, the Oracle, the Oracle tells him to go see his cousin and basically repay, um, like make up for the bad that he's done, the wrong, wrongdoings right. that he committed. Right, right. Um, Heracles is trying to figure out how he can be served justice. Okay. And this is something I like that um, touches uh, Plato talks about. It is better to um, have injustice done unto you than to um, do unjust. Than to commit injustice. injustice. Yeah. Yeah. And that was one that got me thinking for a while. (coughs) I got some in my throat. But that one got me thinking for a while. And um, also when he said, if you've done wrong, then you should um, want to be corrected. Corrected. You, you should, should want justice. Yeah. Yes, you should want that. Um, and Her- Heracles fully embodies that. So he's he's gone so far as to ask the Oracle of Delphi, how can I, how can justice be served? How can I be redeemed of yeah, this? My yeah. yeah. And Hera influences the oracle to tell Heracles he needs to go to his cousin, the king, uh, Eurystheus, and um, do whatever he tells him. So he he shows up, and Eurystheus is pretty much the opposite of Heracles. Uh, Modern-day terms, he's just a punk. Like, he's, he's a sissy, he's a do-nothing, he's a soft, um, he's just kind of a dud. But uh, he's he's the king, and he's very je- jealous of Heracles because Heracles, even though he's not a king, people uh, know of his strength and people respect him, and he has um, he does have title, but he he has respect of people, and he he's jealous of what he's capable of. So they decide uh, that he's going to do ten labors within ten years. No one is allowed to help him and he's not allowed to accept payment for any of them so heracles agrees to this and eurystheus wants to make heracles look like a fool he he he's hoping he looks like a fool or dies you know he wants wants a pie in heracles face because he's he'll feel better about himself having right. bested bested heracles you know the legendary man um so he immediately gives him an impossible task uh, labor number one was to kill the Nemean lion. And this is my personal favorite labor just because um, the picture it paints is, yeah. is so, it's just so awesome. So um, it's impossible because the Nemean lion's skin cannot be punctured by any weapons. Can I just interject yeah. here yeah, too? Do. I think one thing that we kind of skipped over that we should discuss is... Um, Hera turning his family into these monsters. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that I think that's really important, and uh, I'll admit I'm somewhat puzzled by it, but I think I might have some some understanding of it. And uh, if you have any insights, I'd love to hear it as well. But the way I see it is almost like through. Um, so again, if we're looking at Hera as as this goddess who is kind of embodying the mortal strife, right, that comes with our existence here in the sublunar realm, um, then I would go to say that she almost um, caused him, he was 
lost in a certain sense. Like his eyes were kind of clouded and maybe he was in a fit of rage. And this is just a way to symbolize it where he, he literally saw his family as monsters that he had to kill. Mm -hmm. And it, I think it goes to paint like a short sightedness that um, he was expressing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so he, he killed his family. And then when this rage kind of passed he realized what he had done and he uh kind of with the liar teacher right he killed the liar teacher and then he's like oh man i really messed up i need to pay for this i think yeah. it can be seen in the same way um and especially because if i remember correctly doesn't it say it was like dark in the house mm -hmm. right so it's dark in the house and i think again this speaks to his short-sightedness um he wasn't he wasn't seeing his family for what they were right he wasn't appreciating them for what they were he didn't realize what he had mm -hmm. and how beautiful it really was and um through his own ignorance you could say he um or his own delusion he lashed out and he killed them because he saw them as monsters that he had to deal with and it was kind of physically uh, or is a physical brutality right that he committed but then again he kind of came had to come to jesus moment and he yeah. realized what he had done and he's like oh boy like and then he became lowest of the low yeah. um, but because he was the son of zeus mm -hmm. he knows he and his friend theseus mm -hmm. uh, reached out to him and i think theseus is a, he's an important yeah, character throughout this whole story right um a theseus no but theseus from what i've seen here does have his own he does have his own myth yes i i'm not sure if it's the same theseus or what but i'll have to read that one and figure it out yeah so theseus almost reaches out to him as a kind of glimmer of hope mm -hmm. right Big and he's a friend um who whom we all really need in times like that right we all need friends like that um people to kind of show us the the bright side of things when we can't see it ourselves and i think if yeah. i remember yeah and and uh they know you enough to know how low you are mm -hmm. at some point and um they know how to help guide you and point you to rational outcomes not clouded by emotion yeah, yeah. and they've seen you at your worst yeah. right but they've also seen you at your best yeah. so they it's almost like someone who is unbiased yeah. as they have a third person perspective they're on the outside looking in and they're like look you are capable of so much more want you at your best they yeah. they want to make help you become your best yeah exactly um they're there as a kind of uh they're extending almost like a divine hand of right. of reason to mm -hmm. um help them uh, climb back up like you said so yeah no that's a very important um, thing there and Theseus reaches out to him and he's like look you know you're a hero mm -hmm. you're a son of Zeus first of all he doesn't say that but he yeah. is the son of Zeus yeah. what makes him the son of Zeus is because he's willing to accept this uh, accept justice mm -hmm. done unto him even if it's um, even if it's you know painful in the short term or just even if like it's death but it, it just isn't death <laughs> it wasn't the right solution but he was willing to go so far mm -hmm. and um just before uh, we finish the topic um pythagoras also talks about the importance of having close friends and yes. surrounding us we, we touched about that before so yeah. and this is living proof yeah. of it right here right it's yeah. 
if you surround yourself with good people, if you kind of uh, misstep and you, you fall away for a second, mm-hmm. fall out of grace, you could say, um, your friends are there to lend you perspective and mm-hmm. to pull you back up. And this is why we do need community. We do need um, good role models to surround ourselves when right. virtuous friends is what Pythagoras says, right? Mm-hmm. And like you said about Plato, that was a really good point, how Plato, I believe is in uh, Gorgias, yeah. is when Plato said, that it is better to have justice done unto you, injustice done unto you, than to um, do, do injustice. Yeah. And he said, "And the unjust man should accept consequence with joy, because mm-hmm. it serves him in the in the long run, mm-hmm. right? Even if it's their short term purify his action, yeah, purify his soul. And even if there's short term pain mm-hmm. in the long run, it's for the betterment of his soul. So I just wanted to touch yeah. on that a little bit. That was a great point. Yeah. But yeah, moving on." Okay, so um, the Nemean lion, uh, Heracles has been instructed that this is his first labor. Um, and many, 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 many warriors have tried to kill the Nemean lion, but it seemingly can't be killed. Its skin is so strong that our weapons cannot pierce it. Swords, spears, arrows, nothing can pierce it. And um, its claws are extremely sharp. Um, they can slice through anything. So, um, Heracles, uh, takes a challenge. Uh, he recognizes, uh, how large of a challenge it's going to be, but this is what he must do. So he sets on the road to do it. And he tracks down the lion and he finds his lair. And now this is one of the coolest pictures. Um, This is the picture that I love painted in this labor. Uh, Heracles is there surrounded by the remains of all these dead warriors who have tried to accomplish this task and tried to kill the lion. And the floor is just riddled with skeletons and armor and swords. And Heracles strips himself of the armor and the weapon that uh, Athena had gifted him. Uh, that he had won all his battles in. And he drops his sword and he encounters the lion bare naked. And he wrestles with him and he ends up getting on his back and grabbing him by the throat and choking him out and killing him. And he takes the lion's claw and he cuts it open and um, removes its skin and wears it. Uh, like a headdress and a cloak. And he takes a tree and breaks all the branches off and wields it as a club. And he leaves the lion's den uh, wearing its carcass as a trophy and wielding his club as he steps over his old armor. Mm -hmm. And it just paints such a beautiful picture Mm -hmm. as to what's going on right here. I I think, wow. First of all, there's just a lot of symbology right there, and we're probably not going to be able to cover it all, but what's obvious is that in in stripping his armor, um, he almost had to put aside his former self, right? He had to um, kind of kill off his former self and um, enter into a state of complete vulnerability, and it's only in a state like this where I would say it truly marks the beginning of something new, right? And for him, it was leaving behind his old life of um, foolishness, of of uh, short sightedness, and um, you know these these kind of um, rash killings he had done. And he's going in there to face 
you could say probably the biggest demon in his own head, right? And what he's doing is he's coming at it um, completely vulnerable as just him, Mm -hmm. the man itself, without any accessories, without any of the glamour, without any of the trophies, right? Mm -hmm. So he he has to start at a completely new level in order to face this uh, lion, which is a, you know, it's obviously a worthy adversary for Hercules if no one has killed it and people have died trying. So, and then how he goes in and does it, he doesn't fight it by conventional means, uh, being a sword and armor, um, you know, or a spear, um, because he knew these wouldn't work. These devices wouldn't work, but he, he knew he had to really, he had to rely on the strength that was given to him from the gods, right? That's what he purely relied upon it was nothing that was given to him by man nothing that was given to him by this world it was only his god given talents and skills that he put to use in order to overcome this beast and he eventually was able to do so right so that just paints a beautiful picture and then he he uh puts on this new cloak mm-hmm. and he is now truly embodying this heroic journey that he has just uh, commenced right this journey that he has just set out upon um and yeah that that is truly a beautiful picture and um a re- really really inspiring too do you have anything yeah um a little edit i think some some stories say that um heracles got the club beforehand clubbed it on the head and choked him out um but they all just end with him choking out this lion. So, um, but like you're saying, I really love, uh, the symbol, the symbology of that. And also I think with walking past his old armor, we can draw not only, um, that he is putting aside all his wrongdoings and stuff, but he's also leaving behind his prestige and his, mm-hmm. uh, name. His you could sense. Is, yeah. Who he is. He's yeah. leaving the old that behind. He's shed himself his with reputation that. Kind of. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now he's just wearing the cloak and it's symbolizes his dedication to redemption, his mm-hmm. road to redemption. So, so he goes back, um, to Eurystheus and has killed the lion and, Nobody expected him back, least of all Eurystheus. I just want to add one more yeah. thing, too, to that. It's also, I think, um, kind of symbolizing him overcoming his, his former self, like defeating yeah. his former self. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, he walks past his armor, but he mm-hmm. wears the armor, and I would equate this to the lion, to this demon that that has been uh, weighing him down after he killed his family, right? And it kind of reached the crescendo of this when he was facing this demon head on, face to face with it. And once he defeated it, um, like you said, mm-hmm. it's obviously a sign of his dedication to this task. But also his, um, also I would say not only his dedication, but his triumph. Right. right at the very first yeah. task which is the hardest yeah. the heart the first task is always mm-hmm. the the very hardest thing yeah. to do um to actually face you could say acceptance he had, he had, right he had nothing going in and that's a great uh point which i was going to bring up on the next labor but it's it applies to this one as well mm-hmm. he why that first one is so hard is because he went in there naked right yeah. he had nothing and after he overcame this challenge he has 
an indestructible lion cloak. You know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. he he has overcome the challenge and grown stronger because of it. Yes. Um, you could say and, accepted his strife. He yeah. finally accepted his strife. Yeah, and he wears it about him. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and in that acceptance is like armor because yeah. when you accept that, yeah, he You're is invincible. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, this is really symbolizing a man loyal to struggle. Um, so moving on, he goes back to King Eurystheus, uh, who is, befuddled and amazed that Heracles did this and very ticked off because he gave him an impossible task and he just completed it. Yeah. Instead of embarrassing him, he built him higher, you know? Uh-huh. So he is pretty ticked off and now he wants him dead, you know? Yeah. So he tells him that his his uh, second um, labor is going to be to kill the Hydra. And... I'm not sure location-wise where the Hydra is. Um, Heracles goes and finds the Hydra. And before Heracles gets there, though, Hera sends down a giant crab and puts it in the lake where the Hydra lives in order to help the Hydra defeat Heracles. So Heracles shows up and goes to fight the Hydra, and the crab attacks him. He ends up killing the crab and winning that fight with his club and then he starts clubbing off the heads of the hydra and when he, anytime he clubs off one of the heads removes the head uh two grow back so he's just going and clubbing away the heads and the heads are growing back and back and back until his cousin whose name escapes me of course <laughs> I thought it was theseus it might be theseus I it was um theseus who comes to his aid. We'll say it's Theseus, um, comes to his aid and he burns a branch and cauterizes the head or the neck after Heracles removes the heads. And it allows him to remove the immortal head, take it off, and bury it under a rock. So after he does that, he takes some of the Hydra's venom and uh, coats his arrows with it because the venom of the hydra is like the most poisonous mm-hmm. thing the most poisonous thing in the world so um now he goes back to king eurystheus yep we got we got to talk about that one okay. oh also um afterwards after this happens um hera sends the crab to the stars and, and creates the constellation cancer so does he feat, does he defeat the crab before the hydra before he faces the hydra? Yeah. So, okay, interesting. Um because cancer specifically that that astrological sign represents emotions and a kind of nurturing uh motherly nature, also um things like uh intuition. So Yeah, so maybe what that symbolizes is him overcoming uh, his former uh, fits of emotional, you know, um, tantrums that eventually led to his detriment, right? right? So I think it's him coming face to face with his own uh, emotional state and then defeating that, which allowed him to have, um, I guess you could say, um, it allowed him to persevere, right? And, and, and drive forward. But this task that he was faced with with the Hydra was almost an impossible feat because 
every time he clubbed off a head, as you said, it would grow back, another would grow back, another would grow back. So he'd just keep going at it, driving forward because he had the determination to do so. He wasn't going to get, um, he wasn't going to get, I guess you could say, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? He wasn't, he wasn't going to be, um, he wasn't going to be discouraged and deterred from the task, um, which, you know, normally he would have been with his emotions, right? Like with the liar teacher, he got mad that he couldn't do it. So he killed the liar teacher. But in this case, um, he kept trying to kill the Hydra and, you know, the heads kept going back and he didn't get mad and then like leave or something. No, he just kept driving forward, but maybe he didn't, maybe he wasn't, um, he didn't have the foresight or the wisdom to really step back and see the bigger picture and how you can defeat this. Or maybe he simply just could not defeat it on his own. And this is again, where that divine help comes in right through virtuous friends, uh, someone who embodies hope and someone who can steer us towards what's what's best, what's for the good. So his friend again comes in, I believe it was Theseus, if I remember correctly. And Theseus comes in again, extends a hand of hope, and they do it together. They do it together. So he's showing him like, look, this takes teamwork, right? Um, you can't do this alone. You, you club the head off, I'll cauterize it so it won't grow back. Um, and then you won't have that problem again, right? These issues that keep arising for you and um, that you're just responding to in the same, um, you know, with this, with the same answer every time it's not working. So I'm out here, um, offering you an outside perspective, a new perspective and ultimate, ultimately another way to go about this together. Right. So I think that is a very, very good image right there. I think it just shows, um, the effectiveness of, um, teamwork of, of kinship, right. Brotherhood, um, hope in the form of virtuous friends or just simply another perspective Mm -hmm. or another set of helping hands right Mm -hmm. very true and um who ended up cauterizing the necks was his nephew lo laos oh okay so it wasn't theseus no it wasn't theseus um but he brought a burning brand with which he seared the neck as he cut off as each head cut off so that it could not sprout again. Um, so after he completes this, he returns to Eurystheus and uh, asks him about his next labor. And now Eurystheus is pretty sick of this game. He, he wants to embarrass this man, and he wants to embarrass him bad or um, do away with him because now he's getting even more recognition for the feats he's done. So the third labor was to bring back alive uh, a stag with horns of gold, sacred to Artemis, uh, which lived in the forest of Serenitia. Does it say what the stag is? Um, uh, it's no. a name, doesn't it? Um, no, it, it doesn't give it a name. It just says uh, stag with horns of gold. Like I said, this ver- version is um, doesn't go super in-depth on each labor. That one that I have directly in front of me, so... It, it perhaps does have a name, but uh, here it's just referenced as a stag with horns of gold, which is sacred to Artemis. Um, but he could have killed it easily, uh, it says, but in this book. But in other versions, it talks about how 
the stag is so fast that it's faster than arrows and very hard to um, kill or capture and he he has to capture it so uh, and he hunted it for a whole year before he succeeded I believe he ended up chasing it into a river and he was able to capture it from there um, and this one I don't I'm not sure what this labor um, is expressing. He needs to chase a deer that is sacred to Artemis, and it is faster than arrows, and he's not allowed to kill it, um, and chases it into a river. This one, actually, it, I, I do remember reading a more expanded version, and I believe he had help. Um, I think it was from Apollo, who came down and because Artemis ended up, she got mad at Heracles for capturing it and she came down to kill him. And I want to say it was Apollo comes and uh, he advocates for Heracles and says, Hey, he is, you know, a bastard child of Zeus as well, you know, because I believe Hera and, or not um, Hera, uh, Apollo and Artemis are, yeah, they're brother and sister, but I think their mother is not Hera. No, you're definitely right on that. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, so he advocates for Hercules and says, hey, like, Hera hates him too, as much as she hates us, you know. Uh, let, let's help him out. So she agrees to let Heracles take it back to the king as long as it gets returned. So he takes it back, and the king wants it, but as soon as Heracles lets go, it runs away and, and can't be caught. So he completed his task and upheld his promise to... Um, Artemis so that's an interesting one and I don't know exactly what it's meaning but um, from what I could tell you just going off of what Artemis represents Artemis represents um, the the she represents kind of the uh, forces of wild things of of nature. She is also called the haunter of the forests and mountains where she dwells. She dwells in all things wild and is a slayer of beasts. Um, now, with him, she also represents virtue, though, and her arrows represent virtue. So maybe with a stag being faster than arrows, the stag also is a kind of symbol of virtue, right? And so by him capturing this stag and not killing it, mind you, capturing it, it kind of represents him attaining virtue, perhaps. Now, I think this may also tie in with his redemption um, and killing his family because Artemis is also the protector of childbearing, of childbirth. She, she's the protector of youth as well, um, as is Apollo. They both are the protector of youth. Artemis, protector of females, and Apollon is the protector of, of males, of youth. So I would, I would think that it, I was going to say, I think that it is all going to be relevant to him killing his family to some point because that's the whole point. Yeah. That's the whole redemption. Yeah, that was like and the worst thing that yeah. you could do. Mm-hmm. And he, he's, he was required to do all this in order for justice to be served. I'll keep going though. Yeah, no, I was just going to say, and um, with him, you know, capturing the stag, it's like symbolizing him um, attaining the virtue of nature, I guess you could yeah. say. Uh, and that, cause that's what Artemis represents. And with her being like, Hey, you know, kind of getting mad, like, what are you doing with my deer here? <laughs> um, and then 
with Apollon coming down, Apollon represents um, bright-mindedness, right? He, he's the god of harmony. So he almost, and he's specifically associated with the lyre. He plays the lyre, and through the lyre, he harmonizes the universe. So perhaps this is also his redemption uh, with with the teacher, with killing the music music teacher. So by achieving, or I should say attaining virtue, Apollon even comes down as like, hey, like I'm going to help you out now because you've kind of um, redeemed yourself by attaining this virtue, and now you are on the path of harmonization, of true harmonization now, right? So I think Apollon, um, also Apollon um, is you know, he's like a prophesier, right? He's, he's, uh, the, the Oracle at Delphi is a prophetess of Apollon. So, um, that obviously would tie in too, I would say in, um, in, uh, you know, Apollon helping him out. So it's kind of living up to the prophecy and, um, giving him bright mindedness. And, uh, because, Hercules was able to imitate this. He was finally able to embody this principle of harmonization and the attainment of virtue through nature. So I think that that's what I got for this one. And I'd be interested. I, I don't think I have everything there. I think there's more there, um, especially with Apollon arriving and um, kind of helping him out. Right. Yeah. So advocating for him. So yeah, maybe this is something we could explore further in another episode. Um, I, I should add also, we we have a temple sister who just has amazing knowledge and understanding of mythology. Yeah, and I think, crazy insights. yeah, <laughs> crazy insights. So we'll have to get her on at some point and uh, maybe we could bring this one back up to her in specific because I, I know there's still some gaps yeah. there. And she owes me uh, an email about the myth <laughs> of Heracles. I, I love when she um, sends me, you know, her, her insights on the myth because I always learn so much and, um, Maybe that'll be enough to get her on the show. Say, yeah. hey, you can forget the email and just come on. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, so I was only planning on going over three of them today. Um, it It's a very long and in-depth myth if uh, you're stopping and kind of analyzing each piece as we are. And we could make this far, far longer. But we really just want to um, share some of what we've taken out of it with you and if you haven't looked into it then um hopefully we can inspire you to go and read it and kind of um analyze it more um than you might on an initial read through or something um so with that being said is there anything else you wanted to discuss i just want to say well first off we're going to be continuing um this myth on the on the next episode so this is part one of uh, the labors of heracles and we'll continue them on the next one with part two. But I just want to say with this story, I think it is so, um, it's vitally important because it really is the journey of of a lowly state to that of a divine state. Mm-hmm. Someone who is undergoing the heroic journey, which is the transmutation of one's soul from uh, turning their leaden state into that of gold. Mm-hmm. So this is, um, this is, you know, symbolic of the human journey of human life and what is possible if we only align ourselves with the proper divine understandings and um, 
uh, principles and virtues that come with that, right? Overcome the challenges presented to yes, us. Exactly, exactly. Because someone as who reached such a low point as Heracles did can even uh, redeem themselves through pious and um, sincere um, a, a pursuit of justice yeah, and beauty, and right? Not only redeem yourself, but um, align themselves and actualize yeah. themselves. Yeah, um, and as we'll see, a, a reach apotheosis, yeah. right? A reach the absolute pinnacle of uh, human potential. Yeah. So, and it doesn't touch on that in any of the Disney versions. Um, no. Heracles killing his family. Um, and for those of you who don't know, I'm sure most will, but Heracles is Hercules. It's just uh, the Greek. It's the proper. Yeah, it's, it's the, the proper, proper pronunciation. Um, pronunciation. 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 Is that right? Yes. Okay. Of oh, his name, uh, Hercules, I believe, is Latin. Hercules. Hercules. Oh, you're probably right. This is is the Latin name, but um, there we go. Uh, we got up to labor three, and a lot of lot of cool labors to come on. And one more thing. Okay, let's. I hear just want to. I just realized something else. Um, when he when he grabbed the stag and he brought it back to. Um, his his cousin, the king, Eurystheus. Yeah. Eurystheus was not able to hold on to that virtue. No. That virtue fled no. real quick. Yeah, he pleasing. was he was not um, he was not suited to hold that virtue because he didn't do anything for it. Yeah. Someone else just brought it to him, and then it ran away instantly. And he 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 himself was not capable um, because he was not you know aligning himself to these principles as Heracles was he was not dedicating himself to a divine path of virtue and so he didn't deserve it he he couldn't yeah he couldn't get it Very he ha- he hasn't done anything he's a you know he's a slouch and in a in yeah. a, a like said do nothing so th- that's just interesting i just remember that and that actually brings up um a really good point now that i'm thinking about the future labors um but we'll touch on that when it gets to it um, so thank you again for listening guys and stay tuned. We should have the next episode. Um, we'll probably touch on three, three more labors at least. We can even uh, do it tomorrow. Maybe more. Yeah, we can, we might do it, put one out tomorrow. Um, so thank you for tuning in. And as always, if you're interested in more about, uh, the, um, temple that we belong to the temple of the hermetic one, you can visit the website at templehermetic.one or you could, reach us on Facebook through Temple of the Hermetic One. So, um, Yeah, and in addition to that, again, as always, I just want to thank our Temple brother, um, Brother Nordala, for providing the beautiful music in our podcast that's in the intro and outro. Um, if you want to listen to more of his works, you can find him on Bandcamp. His artist name is Morihas, M-O-R-I-H. A-U-S, I believe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, And I think that's everything. So that being said, all in one. One and all. Bye, everyone.
Thank you.